British podcast today. I've brought in Stuart Stumack. You're going to talk about British boxing here. You're going to be the expert, and it, it's appropriate because you live in the UK. Yeah, I do. Uh, where specifically do you live in the UK? I live in Glasgow in Scotland. So are you English? Don't you dare say that. <laughs> Is there a rivalry that you have with English people? Just a bit. Okay. I'm not that big. Okay. Um, it's actually older than your country, the rivalry. Yeah, well, at least we won our rivalry. Brother. all right well we have anthony joshua versus alexander povetkin this weekend um i think we should start with the fact that at least how it feels what i'm hearing uh, when i talk with people about the upcoming fight is that much like the canelo golovkin fight it seems like there's not that much buzz for it from what i understand the fight isn't sold out um and in your opinion, I'm curious what you think is the reason why uh, the fight just really isn't having the same feeling that we usually have when Anthony Joshua's fighting. Uh, I think it's there's a, there's a few reasons. Like obviously, it's the fact that there was months and months of building up this fight with Wilder, and that expect everybody's expecting a fight with Wilder, and then it kind of fizzles out and. It's it's a letdown when he's AJ's having a fight and it's not against the best possible opponent. But it's kind of natural at the same time that you can't you, you realistically it's not financially sensible to just go big fight, big fight, big fight. You've got to have a fight like this where it's it's still sold very well. Like don't get me wrong, AJ will always sell very well, but maybe the pay per view won't sell as well and internationally won't get the same amount of hype because it's not the massive fight that everybody was expecting. Well, I don't think there's really anything that Joshua could do outside of fighting Tyson Fury that's going to approach, like, even get close to what it would be if he fought Wilder. Uh, Even Tyson Fury, I think in Britain it does similar numbers, but in the U.S., do people, would people buy a pay-per-view of Fury versus AJ? Like, it, I don't think it even gets close to Wilder. Oh, well, for sure, nobody buys a pay-per-view between uh, Fury yeah, and, and Joshua, mostly because of the fact that, that that fight would come on at 2 p.m. here. Yeah. And while Joshua's fights, like his fight with uh, Klitschko did really well. Um, if you add up the live Showtime viewing in addition to the... Uh, replay at HBO, it did well over a million views that day in its first run on both networks. So I, I think the demand is there for Joshua, but he has to have someone that the American public uh, recognizes. And now I know what you or a listener might be thinking. Oh, well, but Tyson Fury doesn't have that. I don't agree with that because Tyson Fury, when he fought Klitschko, did a really good number for a daytime fight on HBO. And Tyson Fury, when he fought as on on Kathy Duva's NBC deal, he did a pretty good number um, when he fought there. And he fought Steve Cunningham, who's like not the, the most popular fighter in America. So I, I that's to say uh, a long way of saying, sure, a pay-per-view between Joshua and um, Fury doesn't do pay-per-view numbers, but it, it does generate a lot of interest, I think. So... I have one reason for why it might be, this might not be doing so well, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. It's simply put, the boxing world has put a lot of energy, effort, discussion, etc. is put a lot into the Canelo-Golovkin fight pre-fight last Saturday, as well as afterwards, you know, another controversial fight. We're still talking about it, and Joshua's fight is days away. And obviously, Canelo Golovkin is a far more competitive, far more compelling matchup than Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Povetkin, unless, you know, they're both fighting to take a drug test or something. So, do you think that that has anything to do with maybe the lack of buzz for uh, the fight this Saturday? 
I think it has some effect, but I think for one, their their fights that in the UK at least is two very very different markets. The the people who watched Canelo Golovkin are going to watch Joshua Povetkin anyway, like regardless of the amount of buzz, the amount of hype around it. While the people who are primarily speaking about Joshua Povetkin, they're not the sort of people who would stay up to 4am to watch Canelo Golovkin. Mm. They're not the sort of people who would pay 16 quid for a, for two guys who have never fought in the UK. It's They're very much not impeding on each other's territory much. I think it does account for a lot of the lack of discussion online because obviously there's a one of the biggest fights of the year that was very competitive and there's a lot of talking points around it. While AJ Povetkin, for the most part, most people presume it's just going to be a fairly routine win for AJ. But in terms of actual money, what like money for that fight, I don't think they impede on each other very much. I think that's a good point that you made there. I think it's, I mean, I, I put that there because it's something to look at. Like it's a possibility that maybe uh, that explains it. Like there's a fatigue involved, just like we thought there was a fatigue in, when it came to the Canelo Golovkin. And the argument against that is, um, you know, when it comes to Canelo Golovkin, I think you and I could agree, and most people thought that there was a lack of buzz, but it turns out that the fight did really well. And the people who were complaining, like, well, the people who were excited about it are the people that aren't on the internet talking about it. And those are the people that actually bought tickets. Those are the people that were in the arena cheering for Canelo and booing Golovkin or whatever, ordering the pay-per-view. Um, do you think, though, if we come up with another reason why maybe Joshua Povetkin isn't that exciting or not, I, I, I should say just not, there's not as much of a buzz around it is because Povetkin looked bad in his last fight. Now he stopped David Price, but he didn't destroy him. And that's what I think most people thought that David Price would just walk into a big right hand in the first round and the fight would be over. And that's kind of what you expect if you're a guy like Povetkin, if you're going to go fight a guy like David Price, who is not good. So do you think that that has anything to do with it, that Povetkin maybe at one point in time was would have been a good opponent for Joshua, but at this point now, people realize he's just going to be a sitting duck for Joshua? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think there was nobody in the world who would be impressed with that performance against Price. And even before that, even... The fight before that against Hammer, that was coming from the drug, failed drug tests against Wilder. So, and he looked very mundane compared to what he was like, you know, four years ago, whatever. He looked like he had less power. He looked fairly settled, just not quite struggling, but just easing out rounds against Hammer. Like he he wasn't dominating him. Was it? It didn't look like the mismatch that it should have been. And Povetkin just really. He he was rated as one of the top guys outside of Klitschko five years ago, and more recently he would still top five. But he hasn't looked impressive. And the the fight, if it was up, if Povetkin had came out and he had destroyed Hammer and destroyed Price, people would it would be very much a, a more hype around it. I feel just because it would ask questions to Joshua, which. No one thinks this Povetkin is going to ask questions to Joshua. Even as, you know, I think a few years ago, maybe was it even last year that everyone thought that Povetkin was the measuring stick, the toughest fight that uh, Deontay Wilder could possibly take? I mean, it seemed... Yeah, yeah when, when he took the fight, there was very much a air of this is a real, the toughest fight possible for Wilder right now. Even, even rating him ahead of Joshua to an extent. Right. Uh, mostly because um, Povetkin had been fighting without drug testing, and he turns into, a, he's an absolute monster, maybe the best heavyweight in the world when there's no drug testing involved. Um, and and I, I'm confident that the the change in his, in how he's perceived coincides with the two failed tests, and then the 
demand on his opponents that he do drug testing. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to, usually I, I don't accuse people, but it's really obvious. It was obvious to me from the start that Povetkin was on something. You don't transform like that. You don't completely alter the, the, the manner in which you, you dispose of opponents that radically unless something else is helping you. And the two failed tests, you know, prove that's the case. Um, and even without, you know, extra help, it's clear Povetkin didn't need it to get rid of a guy like David Price. But I think with the the wind coming out of his sails a bit, Povetkin just isn't that interesting as an opponent. Um, I, and, and right, you, you started this at the beginning, but like th- we're, these guys are in Wilder's shadow. And as long as Joshua it doesn't fight Wilder, his fights won't draw. Now, some British fans might be upset with that, thinking, oh, well, Joshua's a big star and he can sell out Wembley Stadium fighting whoever, whatever Dillian White-style jabroni that comes out. Listen, you're trying to tell me that the comparison between fighting, you know, whatever British heavyweight comes out, whether it be Dillian White or maybe Derek Chisora knocks out Dillian White in a rematch or something, and we got Chisora versus... Uh, Joshua, that doesn't come close to what's possible if he were to fight, say, Deontay Wilder. And uh, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, like that's the case study for this. When they didn't fight each other, their their pay-per-views were good, but they weren't as good as they would be if they'd fought each other. And and there's so much relies on the, the, the continued success of both um, Joshua and Wilder because if Wilder loses... Joshua's numbers go down and vice versa the other way around. Um, do you think that maybe Joshua killed some of his own hype with his performance against Parker? I, I would agree with that. And I would even go a bit further back and say his performance against Packham as well. Oh, I knew were you very were going to bring much... that up. <laughs> yeah, they did look great in the fight. You know? Especially compared to the pay-per-views he had beforehand where he was taking guys like Bolina and Brazil and they were they were just he was beating beating them up for round after round. Well Takam he took ten and he probably still easily won the fight. And with Parker, you know, he won every most rounds and he took it easily, but he didn't look as aggressive. He didn't look like he was trying to entertain. He looked like he was trying to win a fight. And I can from just from a personal point of view he after said that, that fight after that fight, my mates messaged me, and they never messaged me about boxing. They made, my mates messaged me and what went, mates? what the fuck was that? <laughs> they messaged me and went, what was that fight? That was unbelievably boring. I'm not buying another boxing match. Um, it's fair to say uh, they won't be buying this one? I, I'm fairly sure. I would be surprised if they had even heard about this fight. Interesting. Uh. I, I I would agree with that, you know? Um, the reason why, okay? And so in the UK, it's been a long time since the UK's had like a legitimate, consistent pay-per-view star, right? Um, you could say maybe Carl Frosch ap- approached that, but his first fight against George Groves was on regular Sky, so don't think so. David Hay is probably the closest we would get. Um, maybe Amir Khan. I remember, you know, the British Prescott fight that was on pay-per-view, wasn't it? Although it might not have been the main event. I, I was like 11 or something when that fight happened. Well, you know, that's why you probably remember it very vividly. It was a, a shocking moment I in re- your childhood. I remember, I remember seeing it on the news and being upset that Amir Khan lost. Well, you know, night, he should get good. You was a big fan. You were, yeah, you've told me this before that you were a Wasn't big that... stand for Amir Khan. Yeah, he was. He was Amir Khan was being pushed hard in the UK. Uh, it was pushed hard here too. Uh, when he came over, HBO like really went out of their way to put him over, giving him the the Barrera fight and then giving him Molinaji. Uh, as a way to really, really hype him up. And Molinaji at that time was super over because the dude ran his mouth all the time. And uh, Khan beating Molinaji was like one of those like like vindication, justice-style fights. 
where Khan got more credit for the win than maybe he deserved because he shut up the loudmouth. Uh, but we're, that's like, you know, we're talking about Anthony Joshua here, and Amir Khan is only tangentially related to Joshua, <laughs> which we won't get to. Uh, but I think, um, geez, what were we even talking about? Oh, yeah, Joshua's we pretty disappointing about the performance. the last pay-per-view star. Well, yeah, the, the last pay-per-view star. So the, the UK, I, I think, especially with Joshua, that there's a huge influx of boxing fans that weren't always there. And now they're experiencing this all for the first time. They're not hardened like we are here in the U.S. where we've had to deal with pay-per-views for decades. And the U.K. might say, well, we've had pay-per-views for a long time too. You don't pay as much as us and you don't have as many a year. Eddie's trying to change that, no doubt about that. Um, but this is, you know, we had to deal with this for, for decades. So anyway, um, with, with that fight being really disappointing in terms of entertainment value, uh, in terms of expectation, because when you watched a Joshua fight, what did you expect? Well, he knocks someone out, and you he comes in against Takama, looks, he gets the knockout barely, uh, it was a stoppage, and then against Parker, he basically dances around, Parker doesn't do anything, Joshua can't do anything, and so it's boring, and I think a lot of people might have been turned off by that, and saying, oh, well, you know, this is just like normal boxing like the undercard boxing which is not that entertaining and i don't know if i want to spend my however much it costs on this fight about, usually about 20 quid right so you don't so want to like spend 20 25 you don't want to spend your 20 quids on joshua versus pavetkin it's, it's understandable i think a lot of people feel burned by buying that fight and have probably you know in the in the u.s after canelo glufkin we heard all these people saying Oh, well, I'm never buying another pay-per-view again because this is corrupt, blah, blah, blah. Uh, who's to say that the same thing isn't really happening with the Joshua with Joshua going forward? That's one, That's I mean, that's one thing I have. You have, to, have anything to say about the possibility that that may be or may not be true? Uh, I, I think it's true. I think it's it's very much a case of you UK fans not really being hardened to pay-per-view the pay-per-view model in the sense of us because in the uk you've always had pay-per-view fights where big fights are on pay-per-view but pay-per-view fighters are more rare like fighters where every fight will be on pay-per-view because people want to watch them regardless of who they're fighting so the idea of a fight like this is almost foreign in a sense where it's pay-per-view but we know the result and we're not really going to learn that much from the result and I think that that's why interest has died down in many ways. And it's just British fans' first time experience in it. Yeah, I think that's really well said that Joshua's now, he's become a pay-per-view fighter, whereas before we had pay-per-view fights in the UK. Well, not we, you had pay-per-view fights in the UK. And like, like Frost Groves 2, the rematch was on pay-per-view. Uh, Kel Brook versus Golovkin, that was on pay-per-view. Kel Brook versus Kevin Bizier was not. Um, and so I think Josh was partly to blame for that. But the counter-argument, so, you know, we talked about why there may not be buzz, but I and I, and I hinted that, at this earlier, but I think if the counter to this is that the lack of buzz claim is basically something that you're only hearing from people like us, people who talk about boxing all the time, uh, we we spend a ton of time looking or looking or talking about boxing, reading about boxing, etc. Um, and maybe we're not that excited because we know the truth here. The truth is that Povetkin's probably going to get knocked out. The truth is that this is just another fight that we have to get through before we get to the fight we really want to see. I mean. Are you are you that excited about getting some like bagel bites if you know you're gonna have a steak for dinner? If the 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 appetizer is like some bagel bites, you're not that excited about that. You'd rather just have the steak. This is a, this is the UK podcast. We don't know what bagel bites are. They're like little itty bitty bagels, like maybe the size of a quarter. No, maybe a little bigger than a quarter. And um, again, don't know the size of a quarter. <laughs> well. 
a coin, okay? Like an like maybe an inch <laughs> an inch long. And yeah, it's like a bagel, but there's like pizza on it, like uh pizza sauce and cheese and pepperonis. Little little tiny pepperonis are on it. So it's like a little bite-sized pizza. All right, I get I, I get the point now. That wouldn't be as exciting as, you know, a steak and some mashed potatoes and some some vegetables. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, Stu, you're young, so maybe you would be really into the bagel bites. I don't I don't eat meat, so I, I bagel bites all day for me. Oh, my God. You don't eat meat? This isn't the time for this discussion. <laughs> oh, well, at least you ain't going to fail any drug tests anytime soon. Or will you? Um, I, I do a lot of failing as is. <laughs> uh, you're, you're fine with drug tests as long as you don't hang out with the guys in the main event this Saturday. Um, so anyway, hardcore fans talk about lack of buzz, but I, we talked about it with Canelo Golovkin. And I think after the fact of the fight, I think there was just as much buzz as the first time around. I wouldn't be shocked if the numbers uh, are over a million. Um that lack of buzz was only from people that spent a ton of time talking about it, like us. And speaking on a general sense is a bit false because, you know, I we don't really speak for your friends who called and said, "What was that?" Like they don't follow boxing that much, and I'm sure that they were they were complete marks for uh, Canelo Golovkin. Uh, my fr- my friends didn't know Canelo Golovkin existed. Okay, well, you, I, I guess they're more casual than I, I, I thought. Yeah, they're, they, they are casuals in the most extreme sense of the word. Okay, fine. I'm, but my points, I'm sure, still make sense. Um, so let's say that Joshua beats Povetkin. What does that do? I, I think it depends so much on the nature of how he beats Povetkin. If he goes out and he destroys him in one or two, I think that goes... Like, turns you back on to AJ's power. It puts him on as a real powerful heavyweight. And it turns the casuals back on in a way, in a sense that they've got to see a second round KO where he smashes a guy to bits. If it's like the Parker fight or if it's like the um, the Takam fight where he goes a bit longer and he looks a bit boring and he, he might win a decision with knocking Povetkin down a couple of times, then it's obviously a bit more disappointing i think the nature and how he wins is so important in this fight rather than just that him winning of course there's certainly levels uh knocking pavetkin out in a couple of rounds i think um knockouts always seem to be weighed weighed a lot heavier than winning a decision um, I mean, imagine if instead of outpointing people as 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 he did over the course of his career, Floyd knocked out half of those guys uh, that he faced in the last five six years of his career. I mean, Floyd would have imagine the hype that Floyd would have gotten if he was doing that. Uh, and, and imagine if Manny Pacquiao had been knocking guys out the past five years of his career. It's actually been much longer since he's gotten a, a knockout. Oh, I guess he got one with Matisse. So Matisse. Yeah. Okay, um, but knockouts are weighed far heavier than um, than decision wins, and I think if if Joshua knocks out Povetkin quickly, I think what we'll see is this. Um, there's got to be a word for what we do. You know how like after a fight, you can either break down somebody because of their resume, and we can go through like, oh, Povetkin's never good because the the greatest person that he ever beat was Johan Duhapas and Mike Perez and blah blah blah. And then the other side of that, which is like, oh, well, he only beat Johan Duhapas and Mike Perez. Um, or, you know, you can you can put him over based off of his resume one way or the other. And I think what will happen if Joshua just destroys him is that there will be a loud um, group of people that will put that win over because of how good Povetkin was. You know, he went the distance with Vladimir Klitschko and blah, 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 that Joshua made quick work of him. And it stands to build hype for the Wilder fight because if Joshua could do that to Povetkin, who's a really big puncher, what could he do to Wilder, who's also a big puncher? It it puts him in prime position to hype that fight up, and that's all this is about 
is hyping the fight with Wilder. They're going to fight. Um, I don't have any any doubt that they won't fight unless they both lose their next fight. But even then, I think they still might win or um, fight each other. Um, and, like, what do you think Joshua does in the next 12 months if he beats Povetkin? I, just, I think all, it all comes down to the negotiations with Wilder. You know, if he, he has a, what, is it an April date where he has Wembley booked as well? That's what and they say. It's all depend. Well, first, it depends on the result of Tyson Fury versus um, Wilder. And then, about going a bit further than that, presuming Wilder wins, it depends on the negotiations of that fight and how it goes. And I, which, which, um, or what belt is going to call a mandatory, mandatory next? Because it, it could just be a mandatory that he fights in April. I don't know the answer to that question, but it's very likely that that would happen. Although, um, it won't be the WBA because Josh or Povetkin is the WBA mandatory, I believe. And the IBF, let's look at their website, which I, I'm probably, if I start laughing out loud, it's because I look at their rankings. Um, I know you, you hate this, Stu, but uh, the mandatory for the IBF is still Kubrit Pulev, who's fighting Huey Fury, right? And those guys will yeah, determine so a mandatory. So, ooh, I, what if we get Tyson or Anthony Joshua versus Huey Fury? Wow! I, what a fight! I don't know how. I don't know how you could kill hype even more. Kill hype even more? Yeah, than a fight with Huey yeah, Fury. Like, like, like what, which fight kills hype more than that? Uh, I mean, definitely Huey Fury. Um, no one's ever accused him of being like, you know, good. And he also has the WBO title, which... WBO, I think the number one was Povetkin, but it is. they didn't call... It. I there, I read something that the WBO might take this fight as a mandatory as well. I've heard so that, the only but mandatory. I've heard the opposite, that they might not. Have you? I, I, I think it's just, really, it depends on who pays them the most money. Does it does... Because who's like number two? Because I no clue. The well, here's here. <laughs> so Alexander Povetkin is the WBA mandatory. He's also going to be the mandatory for the WBO, and he's rated right now number three by the IBF. Could we see him fight Povetkin three times in a row? <laughs> I die I, <laughs> to I, satisfy all, all bodies. <laughs> yeah, something tells me no. Yeah, probably. Um, but with the WBO, let's say that they count this fight with Povetkin as um, satisfying his mandatory contender. Then that puts Dillian White next up. And then that puts Jarrell Miller, who's number three. Uh, this ain't looking good. Um, I, I'm not a fan of, uh, of Joshua fighting either of those guys. I think Dillian White um, is not good. Sorry, I know this is a British podcast and I should probably be nicer to British fighters, but Dillian White isn't good. Um, then we have Jarrell Miller, who also isn't good. Uh, we have, like, I mean, who, at, really, realistically, at heavyweight, the only guy that's legitimately yeah. good that poses a threat to Joshua is Luis Ortiz. Yeah, like, out with Fury and Wilder you can go through every single heavyweight other than Ortiz and go, he's bad, he's bad, he's bad, he's bad. Yeah, that's what I just I don't did. Think, I don't think there is a satisfactory way for Joshua to fight anyone but Fury and Wilder soon, with the slight exception of Ortiz. Yeah, I think um, Ortiz can build himself back up into mandatory position and uh, and definitely be somebody to challenge Joshua. Well, he's got to build himself back up soon. What do you mean? Yeah, he's no, only I, he's only thirty-eight. No. <laughs> All I'm saying is he's off those heart medication now. He's struggling. Hey man, uh, Kenley Jansen can still close games without heart medication, or I mean, with a heart problem, he's taking medication for it. Uh, let's let's see. Do you think that this fight... Where do you think this fight will have more success? Talking about Joshua versus Povetkin. Will it be in ticket sales? Pay-per-view buys? Or days in subscriptions? 
Well, I what think will be the can, most impressive of the three? I think we can cross the last one off straight away. Oh, you're you're not high on the <laughs> Joshua versus Povetkin fight driving subscriptions in America? No. What I, makes I you say doubt that? that? Honestly, I just who in America wants wants to pay ten pound a month for Joshua Povetkin, like, and then you get that dazed card in Chicago next month. It's well, not tempting. I mean, that card is pretty extraordinary. The one in Chicago, you got Jesse Vargas in the main event against Tomas Tulorme, a fight, uh, a dream match from 2011. <laughs> in terms of the question, I think that it has the most success in ticket sales, which because I think the the rumors of it not selling out. Having a quick look at StubHub. There's only a few hundred tickets left. It might not sell out, but it has sold very well. And the pay-per-view, I think, will sell well, but I think too many people will be scared away from the the Parker fight. I, I'm hearing from sources that it's 75,000 tickets have sold, which, for the, the nature of the fight, is very good. You with sources. Okay. Uh, we'll move on before uh, your your source is upset with you for revealing their their who they are. Uh, Luke Campbell will fight on the undercard against Yvonne Mendy. It's been nearly three years since Campbell first suffered defeat at the hands of Yvonne Mendy. Mendy won a split decision back in uh, was it 2015. Uh, that wasn't yeah. as close as the cards would make it seem. I thought it was really clear, despite me really wanting Campbell to win that fight, despite Eddie wanting Campbell to win that fight, despite all of the UK really wanting Campbell to fight, Yvonne Mendy dropped him and really just took advantage of the fact that Campbell's inexperienced, Campbell thinks that he's somebody that he's not, and Campbell maybe isn't as good as advertised. Anyway, let's just... Like, let's take a step back and just really take away all feeling and, and emotion that you have about Luke Campbell and just objectively looking at Campbell's career to this point. Like, what is the story of his career? I, I wrote down two things that might summarize who Luke Campbell is. So, number one, a fighter that was overhyped, failed to ascend past the domestic level, and ultimately was cashed out. The other thing is, he's a fighter who was rushed because one of his peers, Anthony Joshua, had massive success early in his career and greed forced Campbell into taking fights that he clearly wasn't ready for. You have any other storylines to summarize Luke Campbell to date? I, I think the second one is true with the asterisks of... I, I think, think he wasn't re- <laughs> he wasn't ready because because I think poor training made him believe his own hype because before that fight I think he was he was 15 and 0 with like 13 KOs or something and he very much believed that his strong point was hard punching he thought he was a hard punching lightweight and he could come in and he could Throw de- caution to the wind and knock people out. When he wasn't, he was the he was an amateur who had fairly solid boxing fundamentals, and he had a bit of power. He couldn't rely on that power, but it was enough to keep people honest. But he very much had, his trainers and him trained him poorly, and he came into that Mendy fight and he he won the first three rounds fairly clearly. He came out and he was just swinging, and then after the third, Mendy kind of realized worked him out and had his way with him for the rest of his rest of the fight and won it fairly clearly but since then he's changed trainers and i think general consensus had went too far the other way since the loss to linares but i think he's a fairly solid fighter i think he's you know around top 10 top five maybe in lightweight because it's pretty weak but he he's a solid fighter you know, lightweight's a very weak division. I think you can. You think he beats Robert Easter Jr.? I, I think he, I think Easter beats him, but I think he has a chance against Easter Jr. You think he beats Lomachenko? 
it's I, a big question there that's on everybody's lips, I'd say. <laughs> if, if you happen to be a Chinese man living in Hong Kong. Um, I, I agree with most of what you said. I don't agree with the fact that, um, well, here's the thing. I, and I've said this in the, on the podcast in the past, um, and you, you definitely alluded to it that Campbell fell into the trap that many fighters do. And I find that a lot of British fighters fall into this trap of really developing in their minds, the identity that they will fight with way too soon. So Campbell develops this identity of who he's going to be as a fighter, except the guys he's fighting are not good. And so he thinks he's got power, but he's knocking out guys that they were, he was brought in, that they were brought in so that he could stop them. Simple as that. I mean, what was he supposed to like? What, of course you were supposed to stop him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have power. As he progressed, I mean, actually, here's a question that I was wondering as you were talking. Has Is there a fighter who has benefited more, apart from George Groves, from early stoppages that we frequently see in British cards than Luke Campbell? It, He's got to be up there. He, he did get a lot of like early stoppages in his early career, but... I would almost argue that you say benefits is in quotation marks because those early stoppages made him believe his own hype in a sense. It was the those early stoppages that were meant to help yeah. him, tendered him in a lot of ways. It was a catch twenty two. Like obviously he built hype. Obviously he uh, was quickly aiming and positioning, about to be positioned for a world title shot. Um, and then Ivan Mendy comes to town and you know throws that all down the drain. But I, I really wonder what the... Do you think Campbell is a world-level fighter? I think in, in the division, he's up there just because it's a weak division. But I, wouldn't, I don't like calling him a world-level fighter. I don't think... He has a chance of winning a, maybe an easy belt shot at some point. But I don't think he's a world-level fighter. I, I don't think so either. I think he can be competitive at the world level, but I don't see him beating anybody at the world level. Like he can compete with Robert Easter jr. But I think when it comes to like, well, who will do enough to win the fight? It's really clear that Luke Campbell would wind up coming up short against anybody in the top uh, five at, at lightweight. And that includes technically Mikey Garcia. It includes Linares. It includes Lomachenko. That includes Robert Easter Jr. I mean, could he beat Richard Comey? I'd, yeah, maybe he could rob him with the way Richard <laughs> Comey's decisions have went. Fair enough. Could he beat Jose Pedraza? Uh, I don't think so. I think Pedraza's too too slick for him. Okay, well, we've got five fighters that... You uh, would... I, I look, I, after I said top five, I looked at Vox Rec and went, maybe I was a bit generous. He's in the top ten, for sure. Like yeah, I, I think it's... Paulus Moses would give him trouble. You think he beats Devin Haney? <laughs> I, I would say so. I think that doesn't that count as child abuse? So. Uh, well, yeah, Luke Campbell is very old. Um, <laughs> he does look twelve. He looks twelve, but he's actually like thirty years old now. Um, same age as Lomachenko and same age as Mikey Garcia. Same amount of gold medals as Loma as well, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and, and amateur <laughs> wins and yeah. losses. Oh, wait, no. Campbell has more. He's He's got Lomachenko beat there. Um. So anyway, yeah, that's they'll be fighting on the undercard. We'll also see Sergey Kuzmin fight against David Price. Kuzmin will make his UK debut. Um, Kuzmin's claim to fame is that he had this really short fight with Amir Mansoor. There was a big headbutt, massive gash, just like blood gushing out of Mansoor's head. Uh, it forced a stoppage. They went to a decision. And then it was ultimately a no contest because, uh, surprise, surprise, yeah. Amir Mansoor was uh, uh, drug testing. While in Russian, do as the Russians do, right? Yep. And then he also knocked out Joe Joyce in the amateurs. 
I mean, from what I've seen from Kuzman, and it's granted, it's not a, a ton. I think he's pretty limited. Um, I think basically he's going to be one of those guys that he'll beat any opponent that allows themselves to get bullied. Like if you have skill, so we're talking basically anyone in the top five, you can probably beat Kuzman. Um, but he's fighting David Price. Price is fighting against probably everyone's better judgment. Can David Price keep himself from getting bullied? I feel like he could keep himself from getting bullied for the first few rounds. But David Price's problem has always been that he tires out so easily. And I think you get past the fifth, you get into the sixth, you get into late into the fight, Price will be gassed. And he will become very easy to bully, I think. I think Kuzman will have his way with him late, and I think he'll stop him, probably. Um, just received word that David Benavides has had a an adverse finding in his drug test. What could that be? I would say it's tainted beef. I mean, if you look at David Benavides, is there really proof that the guy is on something? You see how I'm many only, times he I'm hit. only here to speak about British fighters, I'm afraid. <laughs> you don't pay me enough for the American package as well. <laughs> so we'll bring up George Groves later. Actually, we won't. Um, okay, so I think you're right. I think David Price would be pretty screwed um, once he gasses out against Kuzmin. Kuzmin is the kind of guy that I think he'll have enough stamina that if Price gasses out in the first few rounds, he's going to get brutally knocked out. Um do you believe that if Price lands, that he could hurt him? If really, Price still does hit quite hard, but I don't think it's hard enough, and I don't think the Kuzman will let him land that hard in the first few rounds. I, I just don't see how David Price can beat anyone that great, or or not so great even. Yeah, I, I. I think the more interesting thing to wonder is what would happen if David Price won? Yeah, like, uh, well, I, I think that I want him to lose because I think if he wins, he might get put in there with someone good and be murdered. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think uh, if he wins, he finds himself in a fight with Joshua, probably. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. You don't think Eddie would do that? I, th- I <laughs> David Price is like a lost dog. What does you that mean? Just feel, you, you just feel bad for him. So? This is <laughs> boxing. It's not like anyone's ever been nice and not made a fight because it wasn't like a good move as a human I, being. Well, I think uh, more seriously, he lost to Povetkin, who, presuming... AJ beats him on Saturday. It's be a completely pointless fight. There's there there would be better options than David Price. Sure, but you know they're trying to really push this Wilder fight as far as they can. I, I don't think they'll go that far. Okay, well, um, Tony Bellew is going to fight Alexander Usyk on November tenth. Um. How successful can this pay-per-view be? Like, do you think that this fight could draw more interest than uh, Joshua Povetkin? Uh, I I don't think so. I think it will do well, though. I think Bellew has done a very good job of marketing himself in the past year, year and a half. And Eddie has been doing his Pied Piper thing and pushing Ushik. And trying to get him get a bit of attention, but as with all pay per views, it's very tough for me to gauge interest because I don't speak to the people that often who it's aimed at. It's tough for me when I'm speaking to you don't hardcore speak to boxing. It's true, but <laughs> it makes it even tougher for me to gauge. I uh, I feel like look, they're not going to sell as many tickets, but oh, I oh yeah, hundred percent. And and I but I think it'll get close. This is a compelling I matchup. I, I wouldn't think, be surprised. 
I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I think Bellew's done a really good job. He'll be there to... I, I'm guessing he's going to be there as like a pundit on um, Saturday. Yeah, he probably will. And he'll be doing his usual, talking himself up. Exactly. He'll put himself over. They'll talk about Ushik and how good Ushik is. And I think you can create a compelling matchup. At least... In hyping it, obviously we both know that this will not be competitive whatsoever. Um, one of the questions I have, though, is why is the fight taking place in Manchester? As opposed to Liverpool. As opposed or to as Liverpool opposed- or as opposed to London. So, like, if we're going to take a central location and just kind of, like, we're going to pick the location um, without considering hometowns and just put it in the place where we can j- draw the most interest and money, well then, let's go to London. Doesn't that make sense? It's like, you know, if, if you're going to go to the UK as on a vacation from from America, like, you would not go to Manchester. You would go to I London. I think there is two reasons why it's in London. The why it's not in London, rather, why it's in Manchester. The arena in Manchester is very big. It's 21,000 capacity. I think it, it can hold about 22,000 for boxing or so. It's a very big, uh, and I think it's bigger than the O2 that they have in London. So it's, it's you get the biggest arena in the UK by going to Manchester. And in addition to that, Manchester is closer to Liverpool than it is, than London is. So it's easier for Bellew's uh, local fans. The to difference is 1,000. And I think it's, did you 1000 is a very small difference it's pretty much a wash and then it's closer to liverpool so i think that's why they chose manchester because it's closer well i i mean obviously i don't think usha cares he can they can fight in tony belly's bedroom and he's still gonna win um yeah but I, I just think it's it's interesting that manchester even though i mean it's only got more just a thousand more seats than the the o2 arena and if I'm un- if I'm basically mapping the way things work here to the way things work in the UK, being that it's London and London is one of the most expensive cities in the entire world, you could charge a lot more for things like tickets and and concessions if you do it at the O2 Arena than you would uh, with the Manchester Arena. I think there's two points in that you've got to remember Britain is a lot smaller than the US like if the if you're having a the difference between having a fight in Las Vegas and LA is so much more massive than having a fight between London and Manchester so the ticket the ticket prices because people can travel quite easily from city to city generally very less and in addition to that ticket prices are just always going to be lower here it's the the culture is to have more affordable tickets, more affordable pay-per-views. Why? It's it's. I think it's it's quite a complex situation that foot, sport here, in particular football, are more designed to be clubs. The supporters are meant to be part of it, while in America they're more football, like American football and all other sports. The club, the teams are franchises they're designed to make money they aren't afraid to move just because they're going to make 100 million more a year and i think that carries over to boxing in a sense is that why eddie hearn has so many diehard fans who refuse to acknowledge that his promotional tactics in america have failed largely oh 100 percent. it's definitely why it's definitely why <laughs> I'm just teasing. It's. I mean, he hasn't failed. He's actually promoting fights. But is is he promoting in America what he targeted and intended to when he uh, launched and had the initial p- press conference with Perform Group and John Skipper and Dazen? Absolutely not. And it's very li- unlikely that unless they can develop a homegrown star, we won't see that. Um. So why do you think the Warrington and Frampton fight is going to be in Manchester? Doesn't it make it, sense uh, to put that in uh, wherever Frampton lives, Belfast? It, with Belfast, I think it's a lot of the time it can be very tough to get the stadium, and the arena is f- like it's not as big as Manchester Arena. It's the same point again. 
the Manchester Arena is the biggest in the UK. And then in terms of why isn't a stadium fight in Leeds, it's it's in um it's in December, which would be it would be potentially zero degrees, it would be absolutely freezing. So it wouldn't be a very entertaining night for anyone if it was outdoors. And then Do you think that they could actually sell close to twenty one thousand seats though? I it's it's so tough to say, you know. I d- I don't know what the pricing is like. I don't know. I don't know how well Warrington fans will travel because they turned up pretty well in Leeds, but I don't know how many of them were like, "Oh, boxing's on Leeds, we'll go," and or how many of them were like, "I really want to see Josh Warrington and would be willing to travel to Manchester." It's it's a lot of reasons why I think it's a Manchester, and at the end of the day. It's a neutral, so both fighters will be pleased with it. it won't, there won't be any hometown favor. I think, um, I mean, obviously it makes sense. Like, so, you know, the, the whole thing about um, Frampton, at least this summer, was the Windsor Park fight. And uh, is that what it's called, Windsor Park? Yeah, it's Windsor Park. It's where yeah. the Northern Irish football team play. Okay, so, oh, so I thought it was literally like a park. Like, and they're just going to like, <laughs> I thought it was like a park and they were going to do like, you know, yeah. So, and, and it kind of made sense that they would, didn't he do a fight like in a park, like where it was super rainy, the, the belt, the, the, the Titanic thing. I, I can't recall. Okay. Well, I remember he, it was like the, it wasn't the SSE Hydro. Um, he fought on the. It was like something related to the the Titanic quarter. That's what it was, and they had to construct stuff. Were you there? Uh, oh, there was a Kiko Martinez fight. I was not there because I I'm not from Belfast. Is it an actual like? It's a waterfront regeneration. It, what is this? This is this is bizarre. I I, I recommend looking up the Titanic quarter in Belfast. <laughs> it's yeah, like. I'm, I'm I don't. I don't know what this is. It's like these buildings that look like <laughs> look at static. Looking it up has only made me more confused. This is seriously bizarre. Seriously bizarre. Titanic quarter in Belfast. Look this up. Uh, apparently, it's like a tourist thing, but I don't know what these buildings are supposed to be. Uh, they, wow. They had. They, they had, look like um, crystals that you see in movies and they, stuff. They had 16,000 people on temporary seating, so give them their due. That's not bad. No, that, that's that's great. Um, and, and and Frampton and Warrington, obviously, I, I doubt either would want to go to the other's like hometown. Um, so I, I guess Manchester is a, is a good place. But again, I think, why, why not do the fights in London? Maybe yeah, all the arenas are booked I, it, up. I don't know. I think it's the same point as beforehand. That as for the um, Bellevue fight. Well, we could move on. Um, so, Dodd Jordan, you have, you have fighter that you like. Who? Okay, and Anthony Crolla. You know, you know that guy. I know, I know Anthony Crolla. Okay, well, these guys are likely going to fight on the Ushik Bellevue undercard, and the winner becomes the mandatory for Vasily Lomachenko. Dodd Jordan and Anthony Krola. Can't can't say I'm very excited for either potential fight with Loma. So my question is, if we look at page one of BoxRec, how many fighters would you prefer to see Lomachenko against? There's 50 fighters on page one. Okay? 50. Surprisingly, Krola and Jordan are in the top 15. Let's just go from 15 to 1. Would you prefer to see that person or the winner of Krola versus Jordan fighting Lomachenko? Number 15, Beltron. Ray Beltron. I'll, I'll say uh, it's, it's a tough decision for the worst possible reason. I'll say no. So you would rather see... Yes. So who would you rather see, the winner of Krola Jordan or the or Ray Beltran fight Lomachenko? I would say I would say the winner of Krola Jordan just because it would shut up people who think Krola's actually good. Okay, that's one. Next, Lewis Ritson. 
I, I would prefer Wrexham. Okay. Isa Chaniev, 13 and 1 pros- <laughs> prospect, quote unquote, out of Russia. Would you rather I, I'd see. Pro- I'd say Krola just for the same reason as before. Wow. Okay. Number 11, Jose Zapata. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I think losing to Terry Flanagan. It was, was an injury, bad. though. He dislocated yeah, his left yeah. shoulder. Ah, uh, yeah. Eh, I'll, I'll say Zepeda. Why not? I just hate Crowler. <laughs> Emmanuel Tego, 29-year-old, 28-1 out of Ghana. He has suffered one loss in his career, and that was his professional debut just, and has since been I'll, I'll, undefeated. I'll say the Ghanaian lad, just because I, I always like these African guys coming out with real good records and then looking awful <laughs> sounds really racist <laughs> yes um we'll move on and uh no javier fortuna i'd, I'd rather watch fortuna richard comey watch comey robert easter jr rather watch easter jr luke campbell rather watch campbell jose pedraza well, that's not a question. We're already going to get that it. But what would you rather? Yeah. Who would you rather? Yeah, Pedraza. Jorge Linares. I, I wouldn't mind a rematch. And Mikey Garcia. I think I'd rather watch Crowler than that one. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore you said that. So out of so <laughs> we actually technically only look at 12 fighters, but there are 12 fighters that you would rather see fight Vasily Lomachenko than Anthony Crowler or Dodd Jordan. I mean, if we looked, yeah. if we even extended this out, I, I think you would still prefer to see Edith Tatil versus uh, or Tatley versus um, Lomachenko. I think you'd rather see Ricky Burns against Lomachenko. Oh, definitely. You'd rather see Edner Cherry against Lomachenko. Um, I mean, I, I wonder why Edner Cherry hasn't really gotten a shot. Um, the dude's only lost to Jose Pedraza in the last. Uh, few years and prior to that hadn't hasn't lost in 10 years when he fought Timothy none other Bradley. than Timothy Brad Bradley interesting so uh what's the point here L- let me lay out what I think is going to happen so Lomachenko is going to beat up Pedraza no doubt about that and Krola is going to get a sketchy decision over Jordan okay they're now the mandatory they won't come to the table and negotiate. I mean, they might, but not really. They won't reach a. They won't reach a. An agreement. Then it gets into purse bid. Now, they might. They just might snatch Lomachenko away from ESPN and bring him to Dazen, only for Eddie Hearn to lose the purse bid yet again. How do you see this playing out? Am, am I on the money here? Uh, I, w- I, w- I uh, would not doubt Eddie Hearn losing a purse bid. Very much not doubt that. We have I, an update. I, I can't. What's the update? Regarding David Benavides, sources say it was cocaine rather than a performing-enhancing substance that was found in the super middleweight champion title holder, whatever you want to call him, that was found in his system. Your thoughts? You gotta respect that. Uh, do you think that this is uh, worse than Canelo testing positive for trace amounts of clenbuterol? I think it's uh, they're equal. Neither of them cheated. Uh, well, certainly it's not cheating if you're doing cocaine and you don't have a fight lined up in the foreseeable future. Tell, tell that to Ricky Atten. <laughs> okay. Uh, O'Hara Davies versus Jack Catterall. You you told me you wanted to talk about this. Um, what is there to talk I, about? I, I was more saying semi-ironically. I'm quite excited. It's going to be a good scrap, but that's all it's going to be. Neither I have no interest in the fight. Level. I have no interest yeah, in the I, fight. But so, but why should I be interested in the fight? Ed, I think Catterall is a fairly exciting fighter. We watched him against Tyrone McKenna. And I think the Tyrone McKenna fight showed him as an exciting fighter, but 
it showed him that he wasn't world level. It showed a lot of mistakes in that fight. And O'Hara Davis is a kind of, he's a very bizarre fighter. He's one of those guys whose boxing style is fundamentally flawed. He he just looks awful, but he just works with it to an extent. And I think I think it'll be a fairly entertaining slugfest. Nothing nothing of note will come out of the winner, but I think it'll be pretty exciting. Do you think that they could beat Lewis Ripton? No, I think <laughs> Ripton's pretty good, but I don't. I don't. You think Lewis Ripton could beat like- Mikey Garcia? I I'm I'm want to say no. <laughs> I, I'm going to say no. I don't fairly clearly know. Uh, and then lastly, George Groves versus Callum Smith is a little over a week away. Um, we've talked in the past on the podcast about how disappointing it is that the fight is happening in uh Saudi Arabia when the only sporting events that should be there are WWE house shows. So do you think, um, is there like hype in the UK for this fight? Obviously I wouldn't uh, know. <laughs> oh my God. From, from from my point of view, I've seen no one speaking about the fight. I've seen no Hold one on. excited. Stu. Hold on. Uh, so Robbie's producing today's episode and wants me to add that the only thing that belongs in the Saudi Arabia is WWE house shows and beheadings. You know, I, I, if Callum Smith lost his head, he wouldn't lose much thought. I think he would be just as smart as beforehand. Wait, you don't think Callum Smith's a good fighter? I, I don't think he's a good fighter, but that was more insulting his intelligence rather than his fighting ability. Well, I didn't want to insult his atta- intelligence because obviously it's connected to his fighting ability. So I just, uh, oh. you know, wanted to clean Floyd that up a little bit. can't fucking read. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? Is this real? Floyd. What? Callum Floyd can't, can't read? read. Yeah. No, Floyd. Oh, Floyd. I was, no, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I was saying that the best boxer of all time can't read. Okay. I think some will take uh, exception with that. Well, they can, they can send me I an think email. some do think that Floyd can read. You know, your claim that he's the greatest fighter of all time is probably not going to warrant any response. No. Uh, but it's undisputed. Wait, what? What? what is this? Um, I've never heard this whole Callum Smith is dumb thing. What, where, where does this come from? I've heard Terry Flanagan, but not Callum Smith. He just all of the Smith fighters come across pretty dumb. Like what? it's not, it's not no um, thing in particular. Nothing in particular that make, makes me say it. He just like looks a bit stupid, doesn't he? <laughs> I, I I don't think so. Um, Callum's a, one of the guys that I thought would be pretty good. I think when I looked at the UK prospects that came out uh, around that time frame, specifically it was headlined by Callum Smith. You had Luke Campbell. You had Anthony Joshua. You had Anthony Agogo. Um, Callum looked good. Maybe because his, you know, the closest guy to his weight class was Anthony Agogo, and Anthony Agogo looked clearly not good. Um, but Callum looked okay. Now he's obviously disappointed. Um, do you think that that there's any chance that uh, George Groves loses this fight? Because I think George Groves is clearly uh, going to win. I think the only chance he loses that fight is if um, that shoulder bothers him. Because obviously George Groves is a fighter who is based so much around that jab. And it was, it was his left shoulder that he dislocated, wasn't it? Just just making, just confirming. I don't know. You're the, uh, you're it, the British person here, not me. But he's based so much around that jab. And if that is dislocated shoulder, it bothers him. Because I've heard the dislocated shoulders can bother you for a while afterwards. And he's coming back pretty, pretty soon, like in terms of, a timeline for recovery so if that bothers him i think then he could lose because callum so he's he's very he's a tesco joe fighter in the finest sense in that he'll throw the jab he'll throw the straight he'll throw the occasional hook but he won't throw them in combination he'll, and he's very predictable so i i, I think if groves moves his feet uses that jab there's no way Callum beats him but if he can't if he's injured i think Callum can beat him. He's he's not completely awful. 
that that's one of the things I think uh, with Joe Gallagher that I think it's a huge flaw in how he prepares fighters is his fighters don't seem to be able to handle guys who can move. And George Groves can move. His jab is excellent, as you said. And I think that's like that was as soon as we start thinking about this fight, this is how I see it playing out. Similarly to the way the, the Eubank fight played out is you have these guys that can't really do much on their feet, you know, and Groves is really good at just kind of moving around and jabbing. He can land the occasional straight right. And once he lands his jab enough, which he frequently does, that right hand becomes even deadlier because it's being set up with a pretty good shot. And um, I, I wonder how Groves would de- will deal with Callum size. Um, I, I, I think that could make things interesting, but ultimately I think it's going to be pretty easy. The, the hardest thing about this fight is going to be finding out the right time to watch it because it's happening in Saudi Arabia. For, for me, it's fine. It starts on Friday. It's on a Friday. Yeah, yeah, it's on a Friday. It's because they're ahead, aren't they? I don't know. No, but it's going to be on a Friday anyway because they're not that far. They're having it on a Friday though. Oh, well, that'll probably wind up being like daytime for us here, which is not bad. Yeah. Saudi Arabia is only two hours ahead of the UK. That can't I, thought, be true. I thought they were. I thought they were three, but they're two hours. I don't think that's true. We should check Robbie's work. We really shouldn't be trusting him to do things like this. Uh, so, yeah, th- that wraps it up. I think we, we covered a lot of British boxing. Um, there, I, I can't think of any other things that aren't really far away that we could talk about. We could talk about Saunders and his videos, but I really don't even want to give it any time. Um, <laughs> Neither do I. Like, I, I just don't. I, I think it's like, oh, wow, so cool. Callum Smith is basically an edgelord. Or, um, yeah, Billy Joe Saunders, yeah. I mean, is basically an edgelord. Like, so yeah. what? You were an edgelord when you were 15. We're not talking about that. <laughs> no comment for me. Yeah, there better not be. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Let it burn, 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 let it burn. Let it burn, 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 let it burn. Let it burn, 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 let it burn. Let it burn, let it burn, let it burn, let it burn, let it burn.